Let's ring a bell. Now we're officially open for business. Uh, let us prepare ourselves for worship by Frank. Tenekoto Tefano, O Akram Unitarians. Tenekoto Namalakiri. No my, higher my, higher my kite hui ote ra ne. Higher my kite kopapa ote ra. Ko clay, toku igua. No reira tenekoto. Tena Koto, Tena Tato Katoa. You know, you've really gotten good at that over the years. <laughs> well, welcome. Welcome all. Church, final, and visitors to this place of worship. Virtual and physical, made sacred by Auckland Unitarian for 122 years. Welcome to those joining us remotely. And, and to those here in the building, and to those watching the recording at a later time. For those here in person, you, are, you all are invited to join us for a cup of coffee or tea. And usually a tidbit of something nice to eat, immediately following our service. It is our sacrament of hospitality. My opening words are by Rebecca Savage. She begins with this quote I have found that among its other benefits, giving lip Giving liberates the soul of the giver. That's by Maya Angelou. She goes on to say, I'm delighted by how spirit moves through our spiritual communities. 
A few summers ago, a member of our congregation drafted an architectural plan for a little free library, or as we know it, LFL. The brilliance of the design is that there are doors on two sides of the library. One side is for adults, and one side is just for kids' books. With the help of many volunteers, including the congregation's youth, two, two LFLs were built and installed, one near the main entrance and one near a walking trail at the edge of the property. They've been chugging along by themselves. People keep food stocked and utilized. These libraries are a beautiful, self-sustaining phenomenon, a gift to the community. And then spirit moved again, as a generous congregant asked to be a steward of the LFL. He realized that with a little love and regular attention, the LFL could be even better and was moved toward deeper ownership. I love this, she says. This is the beauty and sparkle of spiritual communities. We dance together in the gentle unfolding of how we strive to be together. Needs arise and beloveds appear to ask, how can I help? There's no fixed timeline, just the spiritual practices of generosity and stewardship. As a religious leader, just as I am, I am also a steward of hope. So often we can slip easily into conversations and endless news cycles that focus on dire calamity, and we feel overwhelmed, crushed, and dispirited. Yes, there is much wrong with the world, and so much has already been lost. And the yes and endures, though. We do have time to make changes today. We do have a time to practice courageous love today. We do have time to revolutionize how we live out our faith today. This is how I serve as a steward of hope, by remembering and reminding others with a wink and a smile that today can be for the good one, can be for the good one breath at a time, one act of love and forgiveness at a time one act of defiance and change at a time. The prayer of my heart, heart is that hope gives rise to insight, which gives rise to action for the good of us all. We like our challenge as a symbol of gratitude, as we celebrate the abundance of our lives together. In this sanctuary, we harvest bushels of strength for one another. 
and offer our crop with the hands of compassion and generosity in the authentic and gentle manner of our connections we cultivate a simple sweetness to brighten our spirits may we be grateful for the ways we nourish and uplift each other for it is the sharing of this hallowed time together that sustains us please join me in saying the covenant of our congregation. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest for truth is a sacrament, and service is a prayer. We dwell together in peace to seek knowledge of freedom, to serve humankind and fellowship, to the end that all souls shall grow in harmony. Thus do we covenant with each other and with our God. Jamie, all yours. The piece I'll be playing today is called Rhapsody no um, Number One by Herbert Howe.
Thank you, Jeremy. My father loved words. The Oxford English Dictionary and books on etymology, the study of the origin of words and how their meanings have changed throughout history, were never far from his fingertips. If he couldn't find just the right word for the book he was writing, I had no reluctance in just creating, he had no reluctance in just creating the word that captured his intent. Give you an example. In high school, I tried to read his master's thesis and couldn't get past the table of contents. <laughs> he passed on his love of words to me. That was to my benefit in seminary, where I was required to take two semesters of word study. It was essential to preparing sermons. Our task was to fully understand biblical words in all their meanings, translations, and uses in biblical times, so they could be applied relevantly in our modern and cultural context. I know it sounds boring and tedious, but thanks to Dad, I love it. Follow my transition. Today is the time of the year we ask you to consider your pledge to support the church. Frankly, I hate asking you for money. It does not feel like my job. Despite having advanced degrees from the church in how to make you feel guilty about not giving, <laughs> I can't make myself go that route. Giving out of guilt is not generosity. You all know that in our world, we would have to close our doors without your financial support. So why should I belabor the point? Instead, my job is to be the steward of hope. Here's my first nugget. We have been through difficult financial periods before, but in 122 years, we haven't closed our doors yet. In my position as a repository of hope, I see my task as pointing out that generosity is a matter of the spirit, not your bank account. It is not a one Sunday a year discussion. It is a daily spiritual exercise until it becomes a way of being. Let me make my case with a short word study. Welcome to my seminary. Uh, a short word study of generosity. The word originated in Latin, referring to kin, clan, or begetting, 
It was passed to Old French and then to English. Most recorded English use of the word generous up to and during the 16th century reflects an aristocratic sense of being of noble lineage or high birth. To be generous was literally a way of saying to belong to the nobility. During the 17th century, however, the meaning and use of the word began to change. Generosity became increasingly to identify not literally with family heritage, but with a nobility of spirit, thought to be associated with high birth, with various admirable qualities that could now vary from person to person, depending not on family history, but whether but on whether a person possessed the qualities. In this way, generosity increasingly came in the 17th century to signify a variety of traits of character and action historically associated with the ideals of actual nobility, gallantry, courage, strength, richness, gentleness, and fairness. Then during the 18th century, the meaning of generosity continued to evolve in directions denoting the more specific contemporary meaning of munificence. How many of you know that word? Open-handedness, generosity. Um, uh, munificence. I'm sorry, I can't help using a word like that when I think of it. <laughs> um, Open-handedness and liberally in giving money and possessions to others. The etymological genealogy tells us that the word generosity that we inherit and use today entails, a, entails certain historical associations that may still inform our contemporary cultural sensibility. Generosity has not long been viewed as a typical trait of ordinary or of all people but has rather been one expected to be practiced by those of higher quality and greater goodness. Generosity, unlike truth-telling or not stealing, is more an ideal toward which the best may aspire and achieve than a democratic obligation that is the duty of all to practice. Generosity may thus, on the positive side, probably call any given person to a higher standard. Yet simultaneously, and more problematically, this two-tiered understanding 
may excuse the majority from practicing generosity because of their more ordinary perceived status. But what does generosity mean to us today? It refers to the virtue of giving good things to others freely and abundantly. Thus conceived, generosity is a learned character trait involving both attitude and action, entailing as a virtue both an inclination or predilection to give liberally and, act, and an actual practice of giving liberally. Generosity is therefore not a random idea or haphazard behavior, but rather in its mature form, a basic personal moral orientation to life. Furthermore, in a world of moral contrast, generosity entails the moral good entails the moral good good expressed and many vices rejected, selfishness, greed, fear, meanness. Generosity also involves giving to others, not simply anything in abundance, but instead giving those things that are good for others. Generosity may intend to enhance the well-being of those it gives to. What exactly? generosity gifts can be various things. Yes, money, possessions, time, attention, aid, encouragement, emotional availability, and more. Generosity is not always identical to pure altruism, since people can be authentically generous for reasons that in part serve their own interests, as well as those of others. Indeed, insofar as generosity is a virtue, to practice it for the good of others also necessarily means that doing so achieves one's own true long-term good as well. And so generosity, like all virtues, is in people's genuine, enlightened self-interest to learn and practice. As you may recall from former talks, but probably not, <laughs> the UUA next year will have a final vote to replace our seven principles with the six virtues <laughs> that define who we are. One of them is generosity. This understanding of generosity is something this congregation gets, even if you don't know the etymology. So many of you contribute time, energy, skills to make this place a beloved community. Like Rachel, you're a congregation of muckers. 
you understand our kopapa to make the world a better place than we found it. In 2010, you set a goal to have a full, full or part-time minister. Four years later, you hired me. Careful what you asked for. During that time, not your generosity has transformed us. I won't name names or list all the ways, but trust me, we aren't who we used to be. I wish I could be around to see what happened in the next nine years. But I examined our finances in February. The pandemic hit us hard. There would be a big hole in the budget. And I'm the biggest reason. One of the hardest things I had to decide, because I was loath to do so, was that it was time to retire. I decided it was the most generous thing I could do for this congregation. So, my retirement will begin at the end of August. I notified the Finance Committee at the time that I would not accept another contract if offered so they could shrink the hole in the budget and get us back on track. In the meantime, I have been working to prepare the congregation for our next chapter. My retirement does not mean I'll disappear. I will still lead worship occasionally and be a resource when needed. I remain passionate about this church community, and always will be. And until I can pass the torch, I will remain the steward of hope, high hopes for us. Who would have guessed that those high hopes would result in an incredibly generous gift to restore our organ for our benefit and the communities. Hope has already resulted in enlivening our dreams. Never underestimate, undervalue the creative force of generosity. It can change everything. You might want to bring the fire brigade out yes, with, with you. <laughs> Please join me in our words for extinguishing the challenge. Now, let's see. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts. Until we are together again.
world card lawyer. A little applause for you. <laughs> Uh, now for my closing word. Let us go out into the world singing. Let us go out into the world singing songs that proclaim liberty. Songs that turn ashes into garlands. Songs that bind up the afflicted and those who mourn. Songs that, like oaks, have roots that go deep and stand strong. Let us go out into the world singing. We know the, these songs. They vibrate through time in our very soul. They are the songs that give us life. They are the songs that give us meaning. They are the songs that give us purpose. Now it is our turn to take these life-giving songs into the world. Let us go now singing these songs with voices deep and strong. And may the world join us in praise and in celebration and in love. Amen. And now, to help us sing, Jamie has our post loop. Um, my post loop piece will be um, a small bark prelude, C major.
It's now time for your discussion question. What act of generosity, yours or others, made a difference in your life? 